Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. It's episode 113 of the Final Score Podcast. It's February 27th. We're two less than two days away from March. That's wild to say. Um, congratulations to my alma mater, the Hope. College Flying Dutchman going back to the NCAA tournament two years in a row. Uh, beat Calvin. Congrats, boys. Proud of you. Um, it's big time. Um, and then the women as well, trying to repeat as national champions. Hopefully they can do that. That would be pretty special um, for Hope. Um, March Madness, we're 13 days from Selection Sunday. That's also pretty insane. Um, baseball spring training started this past weekend. It's crazy to think that that's starting soon. Hockey trade deadline's coming up. We don't really pay too much attention to that, but the Red Wings are kind of in the hunt um, for a wild card spot, so maybe we will pay a little more attention. That's big time. First Detroit playoff hunt and since 2018, I think it would be. Um, so that's good. We need that. Um, city needs it. Um, yeah, lot lot to discuss. Uh, we'll start with the podium, as always. Um, I'll make a quick... Um, we'll probably discuss it more in the college basketball thing, but I am officially on team foul up three. Um, two instances this weekend um, just made me cringe, just feel sick, um, and they happened to the team I love and the team that I hate won because of it. Um, ridiculous. Everyone should follow three. I don't care. Play the numbers game. Play the analytics game like you in football. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Um, I'm sure you'll you have stuff to say, but you got you got to play the analytics. Um, it's ridiculous. Teams that follow usually end up winning, um, and you give yourself a better chance to win. Um, it's just not good when you don't do that. So please follow up three. With under 10 seconds left, please, do everyone a favor. Spare us the garbage. <laughs> seen enough of it. Yeah, I'll weigh in during the basketball segment. But my podium, shout out to Chris for this idea. Um, since Ryan and I were back in East Lansing last Tuesday night, um, we did the pod last Monday. So the next night we were in East Lansing for Michigan State, Indiana, which was a special atmosphere. And Chris um, said, asked me to describe as an alum what it was like to be back on campus after the shooting. So that was, you know, just a week and a day after what the atmosphere, the students, the vibe on campus and what it meant for you to be there. So great question, Chris. And follow up, you know, last week we had my buddy Polo on um, talking about, you know, Izzo the man, not Izzo the coach. Um, So kind of on those lines and with a little shout out to James Harden too, you know, not a fan of the NBA at all, but the you know, the humanism there, um, you know, you found out that the one student, international student from Michigan State who was shot through the spine and is paralyzed from the chest down was a big James Harden fan. It was uh, kind of all over social media and the news and stuff that James Harden reached out to him, kind of gave him a pep talk and, you know, sent him some game-worn shoes and some things like that. So 
there is some good left in professional sports, uh, which is good to see. So shout out to James Harden for that. But back to Chris's question. Yeah, you know, I mean, weird because it's like we certainly know a lot of people still with ties to Michigan State. Um, you know, people that, you know, Ryan and or Rachel went to high school with that maybe are in there in grad school or one of Ryan's best friends from Hope who's in grad school there. You know, people that I work with whose brothers are there. Um, you know, people that I work with whose sons are there, you know, people from Rockford whose kids are there, um, and it was my alma mater, right? So, you know, it was just so surreal. And I would say, you know, sports definitely, it puts you in a different element. Um, you know, I didn't really think about it that much when we were there. Certainly I wasn't afraid or anything like that. Um, but it was a very somber atmosphere at Michigan State. You know, they had the eight empty seats with the jerseys thrown over the top behind the scorers table, three for those who lost their lives, five for those who are injured, um, and still a couple still kind of fighting for their lives, uh, as best I can tell. Um, you know, so the moment of silence, things like that, just, a, you know, very, very much what you would expect. Um, full house for a nine o'clock on a Tuesday night game, which was great. Uh, it was a whiteout, you know, it was a big game for Michigan State anyway, and Michigan State started like, they had heavy hearts. I mean, it was an 8-0 Indiana run. Michigan State had 13 points in the first 13 minutes, and we thought, oh, boy. Um, you know, putting that part aside and thinking of the basketball, we're like, oh, here we go. This is not looking good. And then just like a switch flipped. And, you know, I don't know if it was divine intervention. I don't know if it was just, you know, just, just do, especially after having played so well for, you know, 32, 35 minutes in Ann Arbor and then falling short at the end. Um, obviously that would have been a huge win, but you know, the atmosphere in the Breslin, we get to a game or two every year. Um, honestly though, that might've actually been the last time that I was there since the last game in 2020 when senior day, Michigan State, Ohio State, Cassius Winston went off, kissed the S and then our season was robbed from this lab fake disease that had everybody on edge for who knows how long for some stupid reason. That probably prior to the Indiana game was one of the best atmospheres I've been a part of. Um, Indiana game for a different reason, though. I would say you knew you knew what it was about. It was about more than basketball, um, and just the way like Tyson Walker kind of willed Michigan State back into that game. Joey Hauser hit a couple big shots. Uh, AJ Hogard played the best he'd played in a long time. Um, you know, it was just it was different. It was loud, uh, but it wasn't like obnoxious loud, which frankly, the zone in most student sections can be like at times. Um, you know, the, the students were great. I, I don't think Izzo would have tolerated any any attacks at towards Indiana anyway. And, hey, let's face it, Indiana's only won in, in the Breslin twice since 1992. So, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was just another typical Michigan State-Indiana game at the Breslin. But, um you know, I thought this, the atmosphere, the students, you saw the emotion from Izzo. Um, I guess the broadcast, Billis especially, was, you know, it was really well done. Um, you know, there was that somberness at the beginning that kind of gave way to, you know, when the ball started to kind of find the net um, and Michigan State got cooking. It was it was as good as, you know, all the times that I can remember when I was a student there sitting in, you know, then next to Judd's Jungle before Izzo was coach. Um, vibe on campus, you know, hard to tell because we were parked right there at the Breslin. So, but I think generally speaking, there was a, there was a buzz, you know, people were excited to, 
to be there. They were excited to, for basketball. I don't think that they were really putting the two pieces together, honestly. And it really didn't strike me until we were kind of driving to drop Riley off um, just off North Campus. And we cut back through campus and went up Farm Lane and went by the rock, which is, you know, at least when we were there last week, covered with a tent and probably thousands of bouquets of flowers. And a young lady was kneeling there praying, you know, in prayer um, as we drove by. You know, that kind of not a scene that I'd ever seen at the rock before. You know, not that I ever painted the rock when I was there, but that's a thing on campus, right? Like it happens all the time. And our exit kind of took us just naturally off the north side by Berkey on Grand River. And so, you know, to point that out to Ryan, um, you know, I had many a class in there, especially night classes, um, one of the biggest night class buildings on campus, you know, on a huge campus. And you just kind of, you know, it struck you like, man, a week ago, some crazy dude just came in here randomly and killed some people. I mean, I, I don't know how else to explain it. It was, it felt good to be back though. Um, you know, especially in a sports capacity because, you know, sports means so much to big school teams, you know, alums like me, you know, my buddies, we love our Spartans do or die basketball, football, even hockey, other sports, you know, it's, it's all about that. And so, um, you know, it, it felt good to be back. It felt good to get the win. It kind of felt like that was a shot of healing that Michigan State needed. So um, meant a lot to be there. I appreciated the appreciated the great tickets from Ryan's uh, company, Lax. So it was good. It was good to be back. And um, we can talk a little bit more about the basketball later. But great, great question, uh, Chris. Moving our tee up. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of things we can tee up in the world of sports. There's just a lot of insanity or whatever. But do my do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen this one, we call him Fran Cano for a reason. I was coach who has got to lead maybe the country in technicals for coaches. Got a tee late in the Michigan State Iowa game. Looked like that might be the you know deal sealer for Michigan State. Obviously it wasn't, but you're like, all right, well he's throwing in the towel. He's making a point to the refs for the next game. So much so that in a timeout pretty immediately after that, they break, ESPN breaks to show him just standing there, staring at the official. You know, his official's on the baseline. He's probably 10 feet away, um, just staring at him. It's a staring contest. Official's engaging in it or whatever. And then Fran takes two steps towards him, and the official takes two steps towards him. I mean, it was, it was surreal. Um, it made the game more about Fran than about the game, which maybe was his point. Maybe that was the method to his madness. You know, Polo's been on here before talking about how Fran recruited him when he was an assistant at Notre Dame and, you know, told us a story on text that day about how Fran really is a good guy. His emotions get the best of him when he coaches. But I, I got to tee him up because how in the hell that is not a double T you're out of here for showing up the ref that way. I get it. The ref engaged with him too, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say that Michigan State would have won because they probably still would have found a way to lose. That was how that game was going at the end. But I just, for the life of me, I don't know how college basketball allows for that. But then yet again, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, whose antics uh, here probably in the first spot of around the world. They let that stuff go too. So I guess I'm not surprised. The, the officials miss calls. They make bad calls. And they don't do sometimes what's obvious and tee up to Fran just for, I'm sorry, Polo, close your ears, Pew's a dickwad. There's there's no other way to put it. That was an ass move. Um, showmanship, showing him up, no place for that in college basketball. 
You want to do that in the NBA? Fine. I don't care. I don't watch it. But not in college basketball, man. Yeah, that was not cool. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, brings us to uh, the the real deal here. Four downs. Um, a lot to go over college basketball and Big Ten wise here. Might as well dive right into it. Yeah, um, I'm gonna first. Brian said it in his open. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Hope. It was really fun. You know, a couple weeks ago we went to an alumni thing that they had um, that Ryan went back for, and that kind of got them right. Beat Olivet. Then we went the next week and we watched them beat Calvin at Calvin, a team. Mm-hmm. You know, when Calvin had hung up one of the biggest wins in the series earlier in the year in a game when they couldn't miss, and they made Hope look like dog meat. Hope dominated that game. Hope came back against a trying team who had held them to 43 points a few weeks before. They'd lost to, and I think, double overtime early in the season, and they stymied them on on Friday night. And then Saturday they went right back to Calvin um, to the Nord and and beat Calvin, their rival again, and cut down the nets, albeit Calvin was lazy as you know what and slow with a crappy ladder because they didn't want to, you know, they'd be – the first ones to cut down the, the nets at DeVos, but they didn't want anybody to do it in their house. But, hey, Hope fans, Hope players, everybody stuck around and enjoyed the moment and, and hats off to them. Um, Coach Mitchell, uh, Coach George, all the coaches, the players, a lot of those guys that Ryan played with, they were freshmen and sophomores when Ryan was a senior. Um, really proud of them. Good to see them do well and, and hope that they do well in their draw out in Oshkosh this weekend. And mm-hmm. maybe make a little noise, maybe a little bit of a – Come back after last year where they kind of blew it late and, and lost a game uh, in the first round that they really probably should have won. And, you know, they had a nice team last year, but they kind of have some nice parts this year too. They got some guys that can handle the ball, got some guys that can score. They had a different leading score each of the three nights. They got a big. Um, yeah, so let's, let's go hope. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, let's see. Uh, big 10, let's get to it. Um well, Minnesota sucks. We're not going to even talk about them. They're, they're Michigan State doesn't even get a chance to play, play them. Thank, team you, to play them thank you, Rutgers, you selfish bastards. Like, you couldn't rearrange your schedule and be put out so that a team who had to suffer through a tragedy on their campus could replay a game. Minnesota was willing to play four games in seven days to make this happen for Michigan State, and you weren't willing to add a third game this week. That's Bush League. I, I have zero, I have zero respect for that. I have zero respect for the Big Ten. Look, I have zero respect for the Big Ten for the way they let Michigan walk all over them for whatever they do happen in football with Michigan State, Michigan. It happens with Hunter Dickinson night in and night what out. What happened in 2021? Never, never Michigan got, didn't get to skip two games right. and win the Big Ten. faked COVID, yeah, and got the, you know, got the Big Ten championship even though Illinois had beaten them. I just, I, I'm so tired of it, Big Ten. I don't know what you're going to do to replace um, Warren, but get somebody who's got their head not far up their ass and is more about them more the business because I am so tired of everything being handed to me. This is why people hate Michigan, and it's why Michigan fans, they revel in it, right? They love the hate. They love the that whole vitriol from like the Mike Hart stuff between Michigan State and Michigan. They, they eat that stuff up because they know that it pisses us off, and it does because it's just it's not fair. Like, I could point out at least two plays in the Wisconsin game where Dickinson, aside from his his childish behavior and grabbing his wiener and everything else that he does, it looks like a stupid ass fool. The just the the absolute buffoonery that he gets away with on the court—a two hand shove of Wall 
getting he and he you watch him he two hand shoves every time he goes he runs to get in the in the post and then turns around and posts up um so we're not talking about dirty post up time we're talking about getting his initial space so he two hands wall falls down then he kind of he stumbles over him stomps on him a la Christian Leitner and then falls down himself and kind of kicks at him nothing not a call and yet later in the game, Chucky Hepburn gets a, you know, wasn't even a foul. And they go back and they review it and he gets a flagrant. Like, and then at the end of the game, okay, bang, bang, I get it. But let's say Greg Gard said he was trying to foul anyway in the last 10 seconds. Total discard. You watch. Total stiff arm discard of Davis by, by um, Dickinson. Was it a great shot? Miracle shot? Sure it was. Nothing but net. I get it. But like you watch. He fully extended an arm to catch the ball and to get the space to get that shot off. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm I'm tired of it for letting the Fran stuff go. I'm tired of it for letting somebody like that, who's not all that good, be made to look good and be made a hero when he doesn't deserve to be a hero. We're talking about a guy that, you know, wore a ski mask to a game the night after the Michigan State shooting and was firing fake guns into the crowd with his fingers like, this behavior is enabled at Michigan, and I'm sorry to all my Michigan fan friends who are good people. Your program is dirt. It's dirt. It's garbage. It's scum. And how can you be proud of that behavior? It's it's despicable. It's disgusting. And the Big Ten doesn't do a thing about it. And that's what makes me mad. I would be pissed if I was Wisconsin for the way that that game went down. That game was handed to Michigan on Saturday. Uh, it was it was gross. It was disgusting. Not um, surprising. But yeah, I mean, and and that that goes right. And so Rutgers, you're kind of right up there in in this in my same vein right now with Michigan. Like I feel about you almost how I feel about Hunter Dickinson and their antics because your bush league refusal. I, I hope you don't win another game. I so wanted Penn State to beat them yesterday and knock them out of the you know out of the tournament. You don't deserve to be there if you can't be a good citizen in the Big Ten. And I don't care. Oh, it's not. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Cry me a river. Did you have a shooting on your campus? Did it affect you know your students to the point where there's some Michigan State students that don't even want to go back to school because they don't. They just it's so traumatizing to them. Do you give a shit? No, you don't. So I have no place for you. Get out of the Big Ten. Go back to the Big East or wherever you came from. Eight ten, send them home. Yeah, yeah, they're annoying. Uh, speaking of them, they. Penn State choked, um, probably gave their tournament chances yeah, away. Unless they make a run in, in Chicago. Yeah. Win the next two and win, get to the Big Ten Tournament Championship. They're probably out, probably going to NIT. Um, Didn't good, score the last nine minutes of that game. Um, too bad. I mean, they've had a heck rough. of a bounce-back season pick. It's been phenomenal. Um, just, just couldn't finish last night. Ohio State finally got off the schneid. Had a blue, big losing streak. Uh, finished off the nine-game lose streak with a win over Illinois, who... Not very good. Talk about Jekyll and Hyde, man. They I, I'm, I'm down out big out. against Northwestern, came back, then down big again, then came back and won, um, which Northwestern, by the way, has got to be kicking themselves because they granted two road games. Back. But if they win one of those games, they're tied for first last week. Um, and they're still, what, one? No, I guess they're, they're back to two back now. I mean, they, they win one of those, and they're tied for first. And they blew, they flat out blew the Illinois game. Maryland took care of them at home, and Maryland's been really good at home. Um, but yeah, Illinois is like one of those teams where you look at them in one vein and you're like, yeah, they've got some talent. They could make some noise. And the next minute you're like, 
well, they they don't even look like an NIT team, and I don't coaching. <laughs> I don't know what you. Yeah, it is coaching. I don't even know what you're going to get. Um, could they make a run? I don't know. I'd stay away from them when when bracketology comes out. I, That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say this right now. I'm completely out in the Big Ten as a whole, and I hope the conference doesn't have one team. I'm obviously rooting for Michigan State to go as far as they can, but aside from that, I hope the Big Ten doesn't get any second weekend teams just to prove that it's a garbage product. The officiating sucks. The players suck. The most of the coaches suck. Yeah, I think I think the only team that really you know Michigan State's a type of team like I saw this broken down. I can't remember who it was. It was you know I saw it on Bleacher Report. It was I don't know Spartan Nation or some you know some blog or something that writes about Michigan State. So I'll give I sorry I can't give you full credit, but this particular writer was talking about how. You know, okay, th- now this would have to be every break goes Michigan State's way, but Michigan State could really be 14-3 and three right now in the Big Ten, and he's not wrong. Like, Michigan State really has not gotten blown out. When they played Northwestern, they could have beaten Northwestern, and that was their dog tired. They didn't have Aikens. They didn't have Hall. Uh, even when they lost to Notre Dame, Notre Dame shot lights out. They didn't have Aikens. They didn't have Hall. Um, and that was coming off of that big Portland tournament where they were down those guys. Um you know, and in the Big Ten, you know, Indiana got away from them at Bloomington, but that was a game in the first half. You know, Purdue probably was it was a game that definitely would be a loss, but yeah, at Purdue, home not. No, you know, yeah. the the Purdue loss at home, the Iowa loss on the road, um, you know, even the Michigan loss on the road, yeah, that was by twelve, but it was a two point game with a minute to go. Yeah. You're like Michigan State, that would everything lined up be for, be perfect. They wouldn't they're not a twenty five and five, fourteen and three team, but the thing is, is Michigan State's a type of team that's good enough to beat people. They're also good enough to do what they did against Iowa, or bad enough, I should say, to do what they did against Iowa, which was lay one of the most epic eggs of all time in comeback history. Um, but I don't know when I look at it from top to bottom, any other team except for maybe Indiana that is equipped to get to the to second weekend. I. Northwestern plays well together, but they don't have supreme talent. So they've got to be really kind of clicking. Bowie and um, Adige have to be playing well in the backcourt. And then that's just kind of got to sing. It's been a magical season for them. Might they get a win in the tournament? Sure. Two wins. It depends well, on their not. draw. I Tell me who else is going to because the formula is found on Purdue right now. The The formula is found. Let Edie get his. He, one guy can't good. beat you by himself. And even to an extent... Now, it didn't work out for Michigan State this way because they buried themselves in a big hole against Purdue the first time. But, you know, kind of let Lawyer get his and then don't let anybody else get theirs. Two guys can't beat five. It just it, mathematically, it's not going to happen. And it's not certainly going to happen very often. And, and Purdue's had the same kind of MO the last few years. They they peak up in January, February, and then Hit they crash peak, in March. They, yeah, they're peaking. Um, you know, so I, and I just, you know, Illinois, they have the talent, they don't have the coaching, they don't have the togetherness. You know, I just hope and pray Michigan doesn't get in. I still think they have work to do because their 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 schedule and everything else doesn't line up for them in terms of who they and they still have to play Illinois and Indiana. So let's go Illinois, let's go Indiana this week. But like maybe could they if they somehow snuck in? Maybe could they make a kind of a run? Maybe because you know big big dark you know Dickinson you know gets away with what he gets away with and. Nobody ever calls it, and Bufkin, you know, has become a nice player for them. So they've actually probably gotten better, better without without Jet, Jet Howard. Better without him. Um, 
you know, who else are we missing out there? Rutgers? No, they no. don't have an offense. No. If Penn State speaks no in, they're undersized. Iowa can score, but can't play defense. Wisconsin, you know, maybe is an outreach to get in, but like, what can they do? You know, they don't match up particularly well with anybody. Iowa never gets Maryland past the first any? weekend. Maryland, maybe. Maryland is probably the only other team, but they're average away from home, and you you got to be good on neutral sites and on the road to, to win in the tournament. And, um, yeah, I mean, like Nebraska's probably what are they are in twelfth place, and they're probably playing better than four no, teams ahead even. of them, right? They're, they're eight and ten. Are they Big Ten. They're tied 11th, with Wisconsin 10th? for I don't know what place. So I mean, they're they're playing really well. We'll see what happens when Michigan State goes there. They're not going to get in the tournament unless they win the Big Ten tournament. But um, gotten better though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Ryan's right. It's just like this is. This is not going to be the year that ends the Big Ten's drought, and I blame a lot of it on officiating. Um, yes, they turned over a lot of good talent to the NBA. I get that, but where's the reload, right? Like, I just there's a lot of average to good teams and coaches in the Big Ten, and not enough great. And I'm sorry, Purdue fans, plug your ears if you want, but you you are not elite. You proved that last year with a great team. You've proved that in the past with with really good teams like Big Dog. You just don't you don't have the it factor. I'm not saying that Painter's not a good coach. I'm not saying that you don't have talented guys, but you don't have the complete picture. It's it, I'll tell you what it is for West Michigan fans. It's Calvin Calvin University basketball. Calvin had the MVP of the league. who was a true freshman big guy, probably six nine big guy, sixteen out of seventeen from the line against Hope in the MIAA championship. 16 of his 22 points from the line. He's like an easy Edie. He doesn't get very many fouls called against him. He gets away with a little bit because he's such a big guy. He scores pretty much at will. He rebounds at will. But Calvin didn't have a point guard that really to go with it. And they didn't have a three-point shooter that he could kick out to to go with it. Now, Purdue has a lawyer who can shoot the three. But what else do they have? Purdue is just lacking that. The closest teams that have the mix. And Michigan State doesn't quite have the rim protection but they're really good on the other four, so good enough with Maddie and Kohler and Cooper, and the other four are really good. The only other teams, Maryland and Indiana, those are the three teams that I would take a good look at as having a chance to to make any noise in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking seedings right now, obviously. The, the but Big Ten is what you would refer to as a complete mid-off. It's just yeah. not just a bunch of average teams fighting for mediocrity. Well, and I, I'm going to say this, too. So Ryan talked about this in his his podium. I'm totally, I mean, I coached a lot of basketball, whether as an assistant, as a head coach, AAU, a little bit of high school, you know, Ryan growing up, squarely was in let it play out. I don't even like to call a timeout when I have the ball late. Like, I just want to let it play out. Unless it's really sloppy and it's just not looking good, I, I just want to kind of let it go. Like, let it go in the flow of the game. I know Izzo's that way, too. I will say, as I watched it unfold and as I predicted it to unfold, and my friends can back me up that I predicted it to unfold, and Iowa was hitting some ridiculous threes and some wide-open threes, there's no way, especially then after watching Wisconsin actually did try to foul per Greg Gard anyway, um, Michigan, and and seeing how that went down, I have completely changed my tune. I I, oh. I agree. You've got to now. You have to foul now. Ten. I wouldn't foul with ten seconds to go, but if you can get it down to like five, six, right in there, yes. Arguable 
Wisconsin, they had that great block. There was 2.1. I thought that was a little generous put back on the clock or whatever it was. Um, that three-tenths mattered. Um, inside of two seconds, maybe you take your chance, but I, I think even then, you foul. You put a guy at the line, even if he makes two, um, then you force them to have to steal and, and make a miracle, or you have to make them make a miracle off of a, like Duke did to North Carolina. Remember a couple of years ago? That's like That happens a lot less frequently than teams coming back from from that deficit right so i i have to agree with ryan there like it just was a punch in the gut to watch that from michigan state like we've seen it a lot this year where it looked close like michigan state was happening against oregon happening against portland happening against yeah it happened in where michigan state escaped and you just knew like iowa you just i just i knew it i said to my friends like this game's going overtime and michigan state's gonna lose by five or six points because that's the thing is if you let those games get into overtime, I don't care if you're the home team, the road team, whatever, if you let a team come back like that, you are not going to win in overtime. You're just not. It's just mathematically, I don't think that ever happens. Um, and it certainly didn't happen in Michigan State's favor. Now, was that a detrimental loss for seeding? Probably not. I mean, might it have cost them something as high as a six? Maybe. But Iowa's not a bad loss, and it was on the road. And, and I get that. You know, they, they're they're right around Michigan State in terms of Ken Palm and things like that. But where it hurts is mentality. So we'll see. We'll know in the first 10 minutes tomorrow night. Either blow them out yeah. or lose. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't. Hopefully it's. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't I don't think there's any in between. And Nebraska's playing well right now. So that's the thing that and you look day at. for them. You know, so, you know, you lose the sure win against Minnesota or as close to a sure win as you can get. You know, Ohio State woke up. I'm kind of glad they woke up when they did. Um, you wouldn't want them to all of a sudden wake up on Michigan State's senior day. Michigan State has a little bit of history with Chris Holtman on senior day. He's not a fan of guys kissing the S. We were at that game. He was pissed off when we stopped the clock several times in the last few seconds, you know, with slow substitutions to let it happen. And, dude, I'm sorry, but it's senior day. Like, get over it. That's part of the well, tradition. Win. Um, yeah, win if you don't want to see it happen. So, it would be interesting to see what happens here the rest of this week. And then. You know, it was just a crazy Saturday and really Sunday in college basketball anyway with the buzzer beaters. Arizona State with more than a half-court shot to beat Arizona. Uh, the girl from Iowa who's just ice water in her veins comes off a screen, like a double screen, double clutch three to beat Indiana who had previously had one loss um, to close out their Big Ten season. You know, that's why we love college basketball, and we're getting into March, I think. Don't we have the beginning of conference tournaments going on today, right? Yeah, we started the A-Sun tournament today. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great time of year. It's one-and-done time for a lot of folks. Um, special, special, special. All right, we get on, on one there, I guess. Bring us to spot two, Bracketology, Big Ten, um, and then the one seeds at large. Um Last week, do a rundown. We both had Purdue, Kansas, Bama, Houston as our one seeds. I have changed. Um, I have three of the same and one different. Kansas, Houston, Bama remain. I've slotted UCLA in as a one seed over Purdue. I don't think Purdue deserves a one seed with the way that they've been playing, and I don't think they're a one seed. I think that they're they're good, but they're showing vulnerability at the worst possible time. They've regressed over the last three weeks. They peak too early. I don't think they make it out of the first weekend. I really don't. Yeah, I'm telling you, officiating is what's going to kill them too. In addition, but I agree. I, I have the same first or the same one seeds. Or I just like Purdue. 
Purdue's at risk of falling all the way to a three, if you ask me. And the rest of the Big Ten is pretty much between a seven and a ten. Yeah, Indiana. Um, I, mean, I think Indiana is like is the second best team. Yeah, clearly. Obviously, yeah. I mean, Ohio State. Obviously, they're out. Um, they're just not very good. I think Indiana's probably maybe as high as a four. Yeah, I would say that. That's that's what I have them as. I think they're a four. Um, I do. Um, I think they'd be a tough matchup for you know a one like a you know a, a Bama or. Maybe not as much at Houston, but at UCLA, I mean, I think they'd match up okay against those teams because yeah, they've got Hood Shafino's playing great right now. Yeah. Um, and Trace Jackson Davis, obviously, is also great. So they've got a good one two punch, and then they've got some good role players. So Michigan State, I say they're a seven. I, that's been the same the last three weeks. I think that's where they're going to end up as. I yeah, I mean, I think so. Could so get to a strength six, of schedule, but. you know. It, I think if they don't go two and zero this week, if they can go three and one here in the next two weeks, so one and one in, in Chicago and two and zero, I think that's a definite seven seed. I think they're at risk of falling a little bit if they trip a little bit more this week. You know that Minnesota, the Minnesota win doesn't really didn't do it doesn't do much. Does, wouldn't do much because that would be a quad four win anyway, um, maybe quad three. So I don't I don't know that that impacts the seeding. It's just more that was for Mojo more than anything probably. Yeah. Um, so I, I obviously we had seven. I, we both say two. Yep. Illinois, I say eight. I, I said seven slash eight last week. I say eight. They're not eight. A dangerous, potentially a dangerous eight. Yeah, I, I think so. But but potentially a dud eight too. Yeah. Wisconsin, I've got them first four out again. Um, I think you had them next four out last week. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep them next four out. I still think that they're gonna have they're gonna have to get something done this week. They're gonna have to. Make you know win a, probably a couple games in in Chicago for sure, and then maybe go two and zero this week. So then close because they have some good wins. I had Rutgers an eight last week. Um, you had them as a as a nine. I'm um, moving them down to last four. In. I got them ten. Screw them. them last four in. Good. I hope they don't. They were last four in last year too. I think they were. They? Which they sure were. Then uh, then we got Iowa. Um, last week you had them as an eight. Are you thinking stay about the same? Move up. Move down. I, I say eight. Um, yeah, I mean, I they're in that, I, they're in that glut, that seven to ten range. I mean, yeah, eight probably. Minnesota obviously out. Eight and nines are pretty interchangeable, obviously. So I'll put them in the eight nine. Last right week you had Maryland as a six. This week I, I last week I had them as a seven. This week I agree six. Yeah, I'll keep them as a six. I think they're I think they're a potentially dangerous team, and Ken Palm would agree with that. They're just on the cusp of that top forty o top twenty two d. They're not far away. Again, a lot of their damage has been done at home. Um, you know, not so much neutral or whatever, and they got absolutely run by UCLA early in the year. So yep. I I don't know. I think they have the potential to do something, but I could see them being a six seed. Yeah. Not every Big Ten team can be a seven in or an eight or an What eight about Northwestern? You had six last week. I, I have I think as, they're a nine. I have them as a seven right now. I, I think I they'll settle in as a nine if I had to predict now. I, I mean I really like Northwestern. I think that they can they could win a game, maybe two in the tournament. Um they're they're well coached. Um you know, but uh, if your guards are streaky, which they can be a little bit. Now, Illinois, they they blew. They should have won that game. Maryland, I you know, that was tied at the half or a one-point game at the half, and they ended up, Maryland ran away with it. Um, I I could see Northwestern doing some good things, but I, I think they're probably going to more fall into, like, the nine range. All right. Penn State, um, last week you had first four out. I had them as last four in. This week I'd moved them to next four out. Yeah, I'll go next four out with them. 
They're right there with Wisconsin, I think. I think one of those two teams can still get in. They might, in fact, play each other this week. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. I know Maryland plays Penn State on next weekend for sure. Um, Nebraska, I got them as a – I think they're going to make the NIT. That'd be cool for them. Um, Not in the tournament. Michigan, both we said – we both said out last week. I'd move them to the fourth team, um, first four out. Um, They're close. I think if they win one – Go one and one this week and win one or two in in Chicago. They're definitely in, probably as a last four in type. But if they go zero and two and don't win more than two in in Chicago, they have I don't think they have any chance. They'd probably be yeah. I put them at first four out right now. They've they've moved up because they've won three in a row, three good games at Rutgers. They beat Michigan State. They beat yep. Wisconsin. You know they're getting a chance because they're playing better teams. You know finally. Um, they go into this week. I don't think unless they won the Big Ten tournament, I don't think they get in. If they split this week, I think they can maybe you know get two in Chicago. They're gonna have to kind of hope that no other bubbles, um, you know, no other bubble teams rise up or no you know crazy mid majors pull off some upsets or whatever. And by the way, uh, Minnesota plays or Wisconsin plays Minnesota and Purdue, so. Um, Got a chance, so they got a chance, but give themselves a fighting chance. That's all the bracketology. Um, um, yeah, I was gonna read some a note that yeah, I put you down. Got, you got your stuff. So here's a, this was something again. I I kind of borrowed this from something that I read. Um, the fact that Michigan State never looks overmatched is why no one will want to play the Spartans in the tournament. But the inconsistency in the second half of Iowa game is why they can lose to anyone too. So that kind of goes to a one point. And I also agreed with this statement. Again, I can't remember the writer to give him credit, but I don't remember the last time I could picture a Michigan State basketball team making a Final Four run, but also being well aware that a first-round exit is very possible. That's what makes it difficult right now as a Michigan State fan is you you just don't know what you're going to get from minute to minute, let alone game to game or half to half. Right. Um, But, yeah, my top 40-0, top 22-D update, you got Houston, UCLA, Bama, Purdue still in there, Kansas, St. Mary's, and Creighton all fall into that Ken Palm magic spot. Um, If, as of now, if the season ended, you're looking for a team to to pick to win it all. And right on the outside, right on the cusp are UConn, Texas, San Diego State, Arkansas, and Maryland. Really? Um, So they're all pretty close. Uh, More, a little bit better on the defensive side, maybe not as good on the offensive side. Um, also, I've been seeing more and more on, you know, you want to look at some matchup stuff if you really want to break down games. Look at the difference in turnover margin differential between teams uh, to to give you kind of another tiebreaker. Not necessarily for your national champion, but game-to-game type of stuff. So, yeah, I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, this week as it plays out. Um, you know, I'll burn through the schedule real quick for you. So, you got... Michigan State at Nebraska, Iowa at Indiana. You've got Maryland at Ohio State, Penn State at Northwestern. That could be a big win for Penn State if they could get that. Um, you have Michigan at Illinois, Rutgers at Minnesota, Purdue at Wisconsin. Um, you know, Rutgers has another chance to get another win, albeit not a super helpful win. Saturday, the only game is Ohio State at Michigan State, another nooner. Michigan State gets screwed with noon games left and right and 9 o'clock games. Um, and then Sunday, the the ultimate Sunday in Big Ten regular season play, Maryland is at Penn State. That could be a potential big win. Penn State's got two actual quad win quad one opportunities this week. Yep. Illinois is at Purdue. 
a little rivalry game there. Nebraska is at Iowa, uh, Michigan at Indiana, Wisconsin at Minnesota, and Northwestern at Rutgers. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how kind of things play out this week. You got a just a glut of teams in that nine and eight to eleven and seven or ten and seven range right now. Um, a lot of things still at play for Big Ten tournament seeding. So we shall see what happens. Yep, lots and lots and lots. All right, before we move on, a quick word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs, and they make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, third All right, so I I got like... Spot three, third down, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call this actually a little shoot around within the game because we're going to do a Mount Rushmore, but then I got a couple of other things to throw in there that we don't have a their own their own spotter down for. So we're going to do Mount Rushmore um, of the best home court advantage in college basketball. Now I happen to have in front of me the 15. Um, since 2005, the top home court advantages uh, in college basketball. So that's probably a good spot to pick from. But, Ryan, you go first. Who, who, well, who, what are we doing, a combined one? We can do a combined one, yeah. Kansas has to be on there. Kansas, I yeah, 100% agree. Kansas, by the way, for the record, uh, is number one um, all-time. Let's see, where are they? Number one all-time. Hold on a second. Coming to me if I can ever get to their thing. Why? Sorry. Um, I'm missing it. There we go. Allen Fieldhouse. This is as of whenever this was a week or so ago. 282 and 17 since 2005 at home. Pretty good. Like they were getting trounced by Baylor a week or so ago and then came back and absolutely slobber knocked them in the second half. So I would 100% agree that Kansas is on that Mount Rushmore for sure. Yep. I hate them, but you got to put Duke on there. Cameron, I mean. Duke is the, has a number two tough. home record since two, 2005, 267 to 28, a 90.5% win percentage. Um, tough place to play. I don't think it's as tough now as it was even three, four, five years ago. I, I think some of these fan bases, Michigan State included, get a little bit spoiled. Um, and you take it a little bit for granted, but still, you know, there's something about Cameron, so I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you think, like Purdue belongs in there? No, I I can tell you, Purdue is, I know, I, I don't think so, although Purdue is number seven in the current top 15 with an 85% home win percentage. I, I Okay, you want to call it bias, whatever you want to call it, I you got to go with the, with the Breslin. You got to go with Michigan State. Eighty-seven percent win percentage at home since two thousand five. They have two hundred and fifty-two wins at home. Um, you know, and we saw it firsthand in that Indiana game what it means. Now Michigan State's lost twice at home this year in the Big Ten to Northwestern and to Purdue, close games, albeit. But there is a definite home court advantage. There's a definite new, different edge there for Michigan State. I I personally would put Michigan State in that. Yeah, I guess Listen, I like it. Um, I'm going to tell you another team that I wouldn't put in there, even though they're number four in wins and 87.3% clip win percentage at home is BYU. I would not put them on no. that. Um, another team I don't think that I would. 
just because I don't think the Pac-12 is all that great necessarily. Is number six Arizona. They've won 256, about 85.3% at home. Yeah. I think UCLA is right up there. Gonzaga. Kendall, that's not even in the top 15. That's insane to me. Uh, UCLA is t- uh, 85%. They've won 257 at Poly. I just don't think people in L.A. care, though. Like, if I'm really truly going for a hard place to play, I Ohio State's in here at number 10. Wisconsin's number 11. Arkansas's number 12. Notre Dame, number 13. Kind of crazy. Florida, number 14. I don't buy that necessarily. I mean, I know it's statistics. And Houston, number 15. If I'm going to round out that Mount Rushmore, i got to go with Rupp. Kentucky's number three That's anyway. Um, you know, they're starting to kind of round into form a little bit now. They've won 274 games at home since 2005. Um, over 20,000 capacity. Uh, they've broken the Guinness Book of World Records for loudest crowd. I mean, those those fans love, live, bleed, breathe Kentucky blue. That's what I got to go with. I got to go with those are four true blue bloods. That's Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and Michigan State. I think they're the biggest home court advantage. I agree. So the Champions Classic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a reason why they're in the in that Champions Classic together every year. All right, so kind of not Mount Rushmore, but parts of this. So I wanted to bring this up. We never talk about baseball. I actually had this in my notes to talk about a couple weeks ago, and then Chris called it to our attention, and we had a little healthy banter um, today in our group chat. Baseball change, notably the pitch clock. You're aware of that, right? Yep. You know, we see we see it at the West Michigan Whitecaps, the Class A affiliate for the Tigers, 20 I don't know what it is for between batters or whatever, but when there's a batter on base, it's 20 seconds to speed up the game. Now, I'm going to say in this TikTok that he sent, you can see how the advantage comes in now because if you, if you don't throw a pitch in those 20 seconds, it's an automatic ball. So uh, one big stall tactic for pitchers is, for example, to change balls. Well, if you don't get if you don't get that pitch done in 20 seconds, it's an automatic ball. And what I didn't even realize until I saw this. But if the pitcher has his foot on the rubber, so he's ready to go, and the batter does not have eyes on the pitcher at the eight-second mark of that clock, it's an automatic strike. Interesting. So they can't so slow play it either. You're right. So the other day in a spring training game, bases loaded, two outs, three and two. It was Atlanta. I don't remember who they were playing. Three-two count. And, of course, spring training can end in ties because it's spring training. Who cares? Guy strikes out because he's dinking around in the box, not looking at the pitcher with eight seconds to go on the pitch clock. I think that's it's crazy. brilliant. And my point of bringing this up was, first of all, we don't talk about baseball enough, and that's part of the reason it's so damn slow. But this started a, a debate among my friends. is like, what's reasonable for how long games should last? So I'm going to ask you, Ryan. Baseball aside, which they should be able to play most baseball games in three hours, I would argue. What should a college basketball game be able to be played in? It's 40 minutes of clock. Out with fouls and timeouts and an hour and 45 minutes maximum. And a lot of these games go two, two, TV, two, 2.15. And here's my statement on these. TV needs to figure out how to do it within the flow and not disrupt these games so much. Dauber, I give you credit for calling it out all the time. TV timeouts destroy the momentum in college basketball. I completely agree. You guys had it in D3, Ryan. Not very often did you have, quote, media timeouts you did whenever you played Calvin. You do in, like, the bigger tournament games and whatever. 
Those are two-minute-on-the-clock timeouts. I watched it this weekend at Calvin, two, two-and-a-half minutes maybe. Um, and if there's a close proximity to that 16, 12, 8, four-minute mark, a, a team calls a timeout, that counts as your media. Like, figure it out, ESPN, figure it out, Fox, figure it out, CBS. There's a way for you to still make your bucks and get the game to an hour and 45 minutes. I 100% agree. And they've got to figure out a, a timer on on ref reviews too. So basketball, okay, get it. Hour and 45 minutes. How about college football, which we also complain about three hours. way too long. Because NFL games are three NFL hours. NFL games are three nice. hours, maybe 3.15. I completely college football agree. Games are close college to football games can be done in three hours. 100% Well, they're agree. trying to do that now. They're trying to like have the shorter play clock and stuff. They just need to. I mean, if you talk about player safety, the way to cut to help player safety is to have a few less plays a game. Is it as great for the fans? No, but if the game is moving, it's good for the fans because I don't know how many times we sit there in the stadium and go, we just had a four-minute TV timeout. We all want to, like, literally egg the guy in the red shirt and the red hat who's the you know TV timeout dude on the sideline. It's just It just deflates the momentum in a game. And, you know, back in the day when, when I was young, even – you know, a little bit younger than Ryan yet before everything was on TV. But, like, you might be were on TV unless you were Notre Dame or Ohio State or Alabama or whatever once, maybe twice a year. All your games were at 1 o'clock. Nothing was on TV. You didn't take extraneous radio breaks. Um, and games got done in three hours, and that's reasonable to expect. Um, the other one I'll throw at as we go into our fourth spot is golf. How long should golf reasonably be played. But we'll look at it from amateurs and from pros. So if you and me, we know what we like to play in. What's reasonable? Three, close to 3.30. I think three and a half is reasonable, right? Yeah. Like like Chris said, you want if you want to grow the sport of golf, first of all, teach people etiquette because people are idiots. But second of all, set some rules. All OB is lateral. Don't now, I think they changed the PGA rule anyway to three minutes to search for a ball. If you don't find your ball in three minutes, I'm sorry, don't play Pro V1s. Play Kirkland's. Play, you know, a bucket of balls that you find at the range. Play top flights. I don't care, but don't waste our time. Play ready golf. Um, Chris said that he's seeing more and more places with, like, single-person golf carts and everybody scatters to their ball or faster. You want to play faster, walk so you go right to your ball. Golf, in my mind, should be able to be played in three and a half hours. And I'm going to say as much as... Pro golf should be able to be played in four hours. Like, they put guys on the clock, freaking put guys on the clock. Yeah. I seriously. mean, there's no excuse for the other night, the the Honda, which will transition now into golf. Great ending. Dramatic ending. Could have gone to a second um, hole of extra holes because it was still tied. It didn't, but they would have run out of daylight. There's no excuse for that. You're you're playing twosomes. They they go to threesomes to try to speed it up a little bit. I'm sorry. Part of what happens is these new people to golf see how long and how many waggles and how many wiggles and how many regrips and how many practice swings and how many everything else that Tiger and all the pros take, and they think they have to mimic that. No, you don't, because you don't make the game enjoyable for the people behind you. Golf can be played in three and a half hours. Ryan and I play in three and a half hours when we play by ourselves, and we're not rushed. We're not skipping shots. We're not skipping holes. We're taking every shot. We're taking the time. We're shooting good scores. We're not just like, you know, firing up snowmen on every hole and then picking up and going. No, like it can be done. You just have to do it, period. And I think a lot of that stems from watching 
the upper leagues and how long it takes. And I get it. They've got millions of dollars on the line. It's their living. We're watching it. I, I understand that. You know, there's going to be cases and times when there's penalties and things like that and rulings that take more time. I understand that. But generally speaking, I think pro golfers should be able to play their round in four hours, not five. Yeah. With all that. Five is too long. So another um, in golf, I'm just going to say this. Live had their first tournament this weekend. Nice who ratings, cares? Guys. And F the Live. Like, who cares? It's crappy golf. I'm sorry. You have Cam Smith. You have Dustin Johnson. You have a couple of those guys. It's crap. It's, it's a garbage product. So you keep talking about all you want. You know, Sergio keep being butthurt and whining and trying to make Rory look bad. And Greg Norman, you do the same. Just go away. Go away. Just go on the CW network and just, you know, whatever. I don't care about you. I just don't care about you. Yeah, you guys got pretty good ratings there the first weekend, so you should be proud of it. How'd we do last week in the, the Honda, uh, which was exciting to watch, honestly. My guys finished 68, combined years 95. Yeah, I had one guy make the cut, my other guy I don't think. Good finish for Chris so. Kirk, first one in eight years, and he's uh, apparently he was an alcoholic, and now he's not, so good for him. Yeah, it was hard to watch for Cole. He had a good story going. You know, little guy, just a bomber, just had... He got that knee buckle. He knew that he hit his chip too too far that you know to give himself a, a tap in birdie basically, and it was actually a good par to come back with. And then you know Kirk just stymied on his tee shot in sudden death, and then has forced a layup, and then he hits a brilliant shot for a tap in birdie to win. So yeah, those are fun to watch when it kind of comes down to that. You hate to see the one guy lose that. It could change his life to win, but at the same time, hey, he probably won like eight hundred grand for. Probably and the, the Monday qualifier finished fourth, solo fourth, and won yeah, like 425 games. Good so for him. Good for him, Gerard. Yeah, that was a fun tournament, though. Um, but now the it really kind of key. You got the Bay Hill this week. Two and really good ones in the Valspar, then WGC match play, and then the Valero Texas, then the Masters. Yeah, so you've got like three out of the next five weeks are, are really, really good. Yeah, and then, the RB, and then it gets pretty dang good. Yeah, then it's good kind of week in and week out, and, and the fields continue to get better. This field at the Honda was a little bit weaker coming off the California swing. Love that course, though. Um, Jack Nicholas was talking about how you know, a lot of pros don't like it because it's very penal. If you hit a bad shot, it's very easy that to make double be. bogey. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, shouldn't be look, easy. like Kirk on the 18th hole on Sunday didn't quite flush his three wood or five wood or whatever he hit. And he caught the top of the rocks and almost took out the CRV windshield out in the middle of the pond. And all of a sudden he had to scramble to make bogey to keep the playoff alive. And like, I, it should be penal. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be rewarded when you hit borderline bad shots. Like we're not rewarded when we hit bad shots. No, so, we have grandstands to save us. Right. You know, great rulings and everything else. So I, I hope they stay at PGA. Uh, was that the stadium PGA course? National. Or National. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that course. I, I, I like that it's difficult. Yeah. I don't want to see these guys shoot 25, 30 under every week. I just don't. I, well, then you're going to be in, in for a nice weekend at uh, Arnie's place because I think I saw something since like 2012 the no winning scores went over 12 under love that love that chris dave we might have to just go over there and play anyway in a couple weeks and see what it's like to play at post tournament we did that at ryan and i did that at harbor town and it was brutal fun but brutal so well that was like a month after too Mm -hmm. not two weeks 
So, yeah, Arnie's place would be a good one. Shuffler's defending. 45 of the top 50 players in the world. It's elevated event. Looking forward to that. I've got two guys that have played well there historically. One guy that's won recently. Sam Burns, Terrell Hatton. Hatton, I think, was teeth second or third last year, and he won in 2020. Guys, I'm thinking that I haven't picked either of these guys, so I hope not. Um, as if so, I'm going to have to quickly look at the list. But I've got Rory. No, you have and not. Keegan Bradley. Nope, I picked Bradley so far. Bradley, both are in the top 10 FedEx Cup right now. Um, I think Rory's had some success there in the past. I think he's been close to breaking out. And I'm I'm really hoping, after watching uh, Full Swing too, that Rory can finally get that Grand Slam with the Masters this year. You know, he's I think he's a much easier guy to root for than he was when he was earlier he in his career. definitely is. So. It's less of an a-hole. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun, though. Looking forward to it. And then we got the players next week. So it's a good time. All right. And I got one more golf question Full for you. Because I saw this today on, on a TikTok that Chris sent me. Would you rather play only par threes the rest of your life or only par fives? Threes. Yeah. I'm better at par threes than fives, statistically speaking. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I drove the ball really well last year, which would help me better on par fives. But par threes, more chances to make home ones. Exactly. I'm Plus, you don't with, find all par, with, five, all par five courses. You can find all par three courses. I'm better with irons. Um, all right, sprint. Um, what is the most um, exciting mid-major conference tournament? Oh, that's a good question. I think the Missouri Valley. That's what I said too. Arch Madness. Yeah, I think that's, that's always, that's a, always good a good one. one that's going to be good this year too. There's some. Like, it seems ones. rare that the one seed wins that too. So right, yeah, the one seed this year is uh, Bradley. They beat Drake. Who's I mean, it's fun one. to watch like the MIAC and the Northeastern Athletic, like those you know that are basically in high school gyms and those one bid leagues. Those are fun to watch, but I I think the that's really good basketball in the Missouri Valley. I think the Missouri Valley. Yeah, that's a fun conference. Um, do you think that they should and will ever play start to play majors at some of these Florida courses like TBC Sawgrass, uh, Bay Hill, like like a PGA there or something? I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. question they used to play at Doral all the time. They don't play, haven't played at Doral in a while. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a fair question. Like Florida does have, what about like a stream song? I don't know enough about how the course is laid out. Is it conducive no, to it or probably not? It's probably not. in the middle of nowhere, so you wouldn't be conducive for fans. But yeah, why not? If they can play it like Kiowa and stuff like that, why not? Yeah, why not? Or Seminole or whatever it's called. Like I think if, if you, one year, if you said to TPC the players, like, hey, you have to take a year off, but we're going to give you the PGA, I think that would be awesome. I do too. I, I mean, not you don't have to have two tournaments there that year, but I think one year you just you say we're not gonna we're not gonna do the players, or we're gonna do it somewhere else in Florida. Yeah, they did that with the with the Wells Fargo because they had the Presidents Cup at Quail Hollow. They yeah. moved it to the TPC uh, Potomac. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I do something like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Move I think it you, to Kiowa or something like that. Yeah, for, I agree. I think you do something like that. I I would like to see that. I think that would be good. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I know part of the reason they probably don't is because it's so damn hot down there in the summer. But yeah, so I'll play the May one. Yeah, exactly. Play the PGA. Why are NBA ratings so low? Because nobody cares. Because yeah, your face of the game product. is LeBron James. He's hurt now. He's a baby. He's, he's a wuss. A he's a punk. He's a he's he's basically he's a he's a Chinese citizen. I just I think the product is garbage. I think that you know I there was a game on the other night when we were out for dinner and. The Bucks had like seventy four points at half. That's not just 
They get away with travels. It's pickup. It's like nobody plays defense. There's a reason why the dunk contest has to, we have to celebrate some guy that got brought up from the G League. No offense, because it was a great dunk contest this year, but nobody cares. It's not what it was in the 80s when I was a kid, when it was Magic and Kareem and Worthy and Bird and um, McHale and Parrish and Isaiah and Lambeer and Dumars and it, it, and Jordan when he came up. Like Basketball is just it's not the same at the pro level. I don't care about it anymore, and it's not just because the Pistons are garbage. I just don't care about it anymore, and I think it's a crap product. Good for betting every once in a while. That's about it. I, I just don't think it's... I think that the NBA got super greedy with the one-and-done rule, trying to get these guys into college, and it's ruined the college game, too, really. Yeah, it um, has. Adopted the Euro. It's just not... It's not what it should be. No. Um, all right, last one. Uh, margarita, frozen or on the rocks? Oh, on the rocks, extra salt. And I'm going to go house, like, regular lemon-lime or lime flavor. Yeah. I, I like a frozen one. I haven't had one of those in a while. Those are good. I mean, frozen are good, but if I have to choose, I'm going extra salt. No, and I said no salt. And there were giant grains of salt on the rim of the glass. I'm not with you, Milton. I want extra salt on mine. So I'm going house margarita. Well, give me top shelf. I don't want that gasoline bottom shelf at the riv. That's not good stuff. No. No, it's not good for anybody. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, that's 113 of those in the books. Um, let us know if you have any questions that you want answered. Um, two weeks from today, we'll do a we'll do a freaking bracket preview. How about that? Might even have to do that Sunday night when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, I we might have to because I'm going to be you filling out 150 of them. Yeah. Yeah, and be ready for the bracket contest, so we'll give you more details when the time comes. Next week we'll do, like, all Big Ten team, MVP, Coach of the Year, six, whatever. Got any mailbag, let us know. Email us, text us, MySpace us, whatever it takes. Yeah, Carrier Pigeon. Yep. Uh, In the meantime, in honor of the Arnold Palmer Invitational this weekend, and I've probably said this before, but it's a great quote, so here goes. Golf is deceptively simple. And endlessly complicated. It satisfies the soul and frustrates the intellect. It is at the same time rewarding and maddening, and it is without a doubt the greatest game mankind has ever invented.